Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, Dolph fans, and welcome into the Tuesday, July the 17th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, rookies report tomorrow for camp, and we've got one more position on offense to get to. The tight ends go under the microscope today. We take your Twitter questions for the last Twitter mailbag of the offseason, and today is yet another anniversary for yours truly. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite all of you guys to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review once you are there. We are finally back up to a five-star rating, so much thanks to all of you that have done so on that. Follow me on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. And of course, for your daily written Dolphins content needs, check out LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one rated blog in the Lockdown Network. And of course, the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts like the Lockdown Heat Podcast and Lockdown NFL Podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And before we get started today, I have to let you guys know that we have a series of shows coming up here over the next five or six days with Kevin Dern, the defensive whiz the former defensive coordinator of Welcome to Perfectville. He was on a podcast with me before this podcast, and he joins me regularly. He is an absolute genius when it comes to the defensive side of the football, so he is going to break down every position group on the defense with me, defensive ends, defensive tackles, linebackers, cornerbacks, and safeties. Those will be on Thursday, or excuse me, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of next week. So we have five shows with Kevin Dern. He and I have been on message boards for a long, long time together, and since I'm supposed to tell you guys where my qualifications and backgrounds come from. Kevin kind of can duplicate that with himself as well. And I almost think one of the advantages of being a fan of the team that doesn't live in South Florida is the fact that we had to kind of look elsewhere for coverage on the football team. And it led us to places that got us really, really great content and insight from several different posters on message boards and allowed us to grow our ability to communicate what we see on the football fields. We had a good conversation on Sunday. We recorded five podcasts. Again, those come out on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then next week on Tuesday and Wednesday, taking you up to training camp. But we're going to talk about tight ends on this podcast. Let's go ahead and do that right now. That's another Miami Dolphins. So this position group on offense is probably the one that's most lacking. And while that may sound disparaging or a bit dubious in terms of where this roster is at the position, it just goes back to the fact that there really isn't a lot of experience at the position. And for my money, the top two tight ends on the rosters will be, on the death chart, I should say, will be the rookies. And let's go ahead and start with Mike Kosicki, the starting tight end from Penn State. He's going to wear number 88. Just looks so clean when a tight end has that number, and he's that tall and lengthy, and he gets down the football field so well. He turns 23 in October. He has a very respectable contract for a tight end. He makes about $1.5 bucks a year. $4 million of that was guaranteed. He's a super athlete. He can jump out of the gym, and he actually is a better route runner than people give him credit for, the way he understands leverage and the correct amount of steps before his landmark and the ability to turn on a dime in and out of those breaks at the top of the stem. I just see this guy as a guy that can produce immediately as a pass catcher. And of course, we all know that his blocking isn't where it needs to be or where we want it to be. But 
the Dolphins can scheme around that. You don't have to have him in line block if you don't want to. You can just act him as another receiver. And we talked about Devontae Parker on the wide receiver podcast and how he could really seize the role as the boundary receiver, the guy that runs all the slants, the square ends, the back shoulder fades, the fades to the corner of the end zone, the corner routes, all that stuff that allows you to use your body. Well, if, if Parker can't get it done right away, Mike Kosicki is next in line because he is pro-ready in that sense. So he's a guy that could contribute a lot of touchdowns down in the red zone and maybe even help you move the ball between the 20s this year as a guy that can make big plays down the seam. But I think that Mike Kosicki is going to work out just fine in this offense. That Y-ISO position we talk about so much, the one they tried to drill into Julius Thomas as well as Jordan Cameron the year before, Kaseki is finally a fit in that spot. So the Dolphins really hit the the nail on the head in terms of what they want to do at the position with Mike Kaseki. Now, in the fourth round, they took another tight end who I didn't realize this until I wrote this article that he actually wears number jersey number 46. Of course, I'm talking about Duran Smythe out of Notre Dame. He is also 23 years old in September. Again, a very respectable contract under a million bucks a year, even less than that guaranteed on his overall deal as a fourth round draft pick. But he was a guy that played the Y position at Notre Dame as much as any tight end in college football based on their heavy, heavy run-based scheme where he was essentially an extra offensive lineman on that team. And it wasn't that he wasn't a capable pass catcher because he has shown the ability to, ability to get in and out of breaks and make catches in traffic. And I think he's a better athlete than people realize, but that's what they asked him to do at Notre Dame. That's what he wanted to do. He took pride in his work ethic and work in the running game and definitely made himself into a pro-ready player in that sense. So he's probably going to be the wide tight end to start the season as a 12 personnel guy coming onto the field, helping the running game, and also giving you the ability to show run but flex out wide to a pass look the way that Mike Kosecki can as well. So he'll be the second tight end, in my opinion, on the roster. The number three tight end goes to Marquise Gray, and he, a lot of folks think that he might be on the roster bubble, and I disagree with that simply because he does things that nobody else on the roster can do. They always say, the more you can do, right? Well, he can be a third tight end for you. He can be a fullback. He can play H-back. He was so integral on those outside zone plays that Jay Ajayi was successful on back in 2016 as both a wham and trap blocker coming across the formation and sealing off the front side of the block so Jay Ajayi can pick his hole and get those big runs going. And so he offers more in that area than anybody else on the roster. But he's also capable of leaking out into the flat, catching a pass and picking up a first down on short yardage, or even on first down when you want to get a play action going, get the drive going, he can make a play and get upfield and get some yards after the catch for you. So Marquise Gray, for me, has a definitive role in this offense. I think that he will definitely be part of this group going forward. So those are your top three for me. You got Mike Kosecki, Durham Smythe, and Marquise Gray. We're going to talk about the other tight ends on the roster, including a potential fourth that could be kept on the 53-man roster. We'll do that next on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown Fins. One of the smallest position groups on the roster. We're talking about tight ends today, and of course makes the podcast go by a little bit faster. But we have Gasecki, we have Durham Smythe, we have Marquise Gray. The number four tight end is going to be A.J. Derby, and I have him making the roster, the final tight end to make the roster. He has four years of NFL service. He was a waiver claim last year. They tried to fit him in into that Kansas City Chiefs game plan, threw him a couple of passes in isolation in one-on-one coverage, and he didn't look the part of a guy that could really excel in that role. But I think the fact that they tried that and then they worked him out in that area, the fact that he can get more acclimated in the scheme and the system over the course of the winter, spring, and summer, I think he is the ready-made backup for Mike Kosicki. 
should a couple of things occur. One, Gusecki gets injured, or two, he's just not up to snuff and not ready to perform at the NFL level yet. Derby can kind of elevate himself into that number one role. You probably at that point would reduce the role of the tight end in the offense and go more to your deep wide receiver group. Of course, we have five wide receivers that I think we can all trust this year. So that's what the Dolphins have this awesome flexibility of the position. They can do what they want in terms of each matchup they see with the opponent on a given week. And when you guys hear us talk to Kevin Dern on the next couple of podcasts here, we're going to talk a lot about the ability to match up on both offense and defense with a particular opponent in that specific week. And A.J. Derby could provide you with a sense of that on the offense in terms of what they want to do with possibly you know zero personnel or zero one personnel, getting tight ends off the field. And we'll see what happens to that. But Derby, for now, is the fourth tight end. The fifth tight end that gets cut, the first one off the roster is Gavin Escobar. Of course, he was signed this offseason from the Dallas Cowboys. He comes from the San Diego State University. And he was a second-round draft pick when he got picked back in the 2013 draft, but just has not lived up to that draft hype. It's really difficult to find anything that he does that is above average in the game, whether it's the passing game or the running game. So he's cut, he's gone. I think he's just a camp body at this point. And speaking of camp bodies, Thomas Duarte has spent two years on the practice squad. He played in one game back in 2016. He was supposed to be a guy that could develop to run those same type of patterns we're talking about with Gasicki or AJ Derby. It just didn't work out for him. You get to the NFL, you realize that the speed that you had in college doesn't really translate as well. And you turn into a jag, and that's how we are here with Thomas Duarte, who likely gets cut off the roster, and that's why I have him going by the wayside. I can see Miami diving into this position group on in free agency or after all the cuts are made. I think the Dolphins will go after one or two guys. I'm thinking possibly tight end and somewhere on defense. We'll talk about that on the Kevin Dern podcast. But I think the tight end position could be one of the Dolphins' attack again in September and kind of continue to just you know bolster up this roster the way they've done all offseason long. So those are your tight ends. Not a lot to get to with those guys. I think this group, it's it's going to be as good as Mike Gusecki can take it to be. It's not the deepest group. It's not the most top-heavy group. It's really an unknown, a giant question mark. So with that in mind, I just, I'm not as worried about it because of the ability to go ahead and flex out of it with running backs and wide receivers, as I mentioned. But as a total, as a whole, I think this group has a lot more long-term potential than just for this year. So those are the tight ends. Let's go ahead and switch gears here, middle of the segment, and get into your Twitter mailbag for Tuesday, our final off-season Twitter mailbag. I feel so good to say the next time we do one, we'll be in training camp. We'll have preseason games to discuss, and we'll get your guys' opinions on that stuff. But let's go ahead and kick off the Twitter mailbag here with the first question. And it comes from Yvonne. It's at iSweetheart. She asks, which rookie from last season do you think will shine during training camp and why? And I tell you what, Yvonne, you ask the questions that get me thinking the hardest every single week, it seems like. But the top three rookies from last year, and this is such a cliche to say, but I I really like all three of them and what they will be for the Dolphins in the future. I think Cordrea Tankersley is one of the boundary corners. I think Rayquad McMillan plays the Mike linebacker 100% of the snaps this season. And I also think Charles Harris is going to have a huge career as a pass rusher for us. But I'll go with Rayquad McMillan because, one, he's going to be so hungry to get back out there and to play the fastest, best ball he can. Two, we've heard so much about the fact that he's such a leader and that he gets guys lined up correctly and just is in charge of that defense as a second-year player that hasn't even played a snap in the NFL. I think that he's going to reverberate that confidence throughout the rest of the defense and really find his place as a, a mainstay on this defense in 2018. So Rayquan McMillan will shine in camp because of his leadership and intelligence skill set. 
And the next question here, and I got a couple of irreverent ones, which I love. You guys, that's, I'm more than happy to answer these questions. It kind of breaks up the monotony of the slow summer months. But the next question comes from Justin Miners at JJ Miners. Love the podcast and I listen every morning. Thank you so much for doing that. If you had to pick between $5 million or Tannehill takes the Dolphins to the Super Bowl, what would it be? I'm sure I know the answer. Yeah, man, I've already told everybody I know that if Ryan Tannehill in this current Miami Dolphins iteration wins the Super Bowl, I'm good. I'm good for life on football. I don't need it any more wins or anything else. I just want this team with this group to win it all. And I always think about what I would do if I had a bunch of money and my free time, like when, I'm, when I have nothing going on, I want to come watch film and write football. So that's like what I love to do. So if you gave me a winner and how much emotion and how much pride and, and just overall exuberance it gives me when the Dolphins win, even a regular season game, if they won it all, man, I would be, I would be the happiest person on the planet. So I'm not sure that even any amount of money could replace that. So I'll take the Dolphins in a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill. Next question comes from PJ Bimonte. It's at PJ underscore Bimonte. I give, I'll give you one. Who will be the training camp darling this year? The person who will make waves and cause Twitter hand wringing when cut after the last preseason game. That does seem to happen every year. I remember, I think it was two years ago, it was Julius Wormsley, the defensive tackle I took a liking to, and he climbed his way all the way up to the 53-man roster, but he was cut after a very poor showing in the regular season. But I'm going to go with another defensive lineman. It's going to be number 60, Claudie Mathieu. And the reason I pick him is because on that last mic'd up session, he had a note where he said, or Cam Wake gave him some kudos, and he goes, oh shit, Cam Wake knows my name. Now I got to perform. So I think that he is a likable guy in that sense. And I think that maybe he will play with his hair on fire. And that always helps guys really excel in those fourth quarters when the rest of the guys that are also going to be cut are out there on the field. So I think he'll play well in those situations, but it won't be enough to earn a spot. And so that'll be the guy that I go for with the training camp darling that does not make the roster. Next question comes from Mark Wardlaw. Uh, he's at Dr. Mark Wardlaw. How much of a workload do you anticipate our three main running backs taking and how can we expect that balance to change over the course of the season? Very good question. I think that I'm I'm very back and forth on the idea that Kenyon Drake will split time with someone like Frank Gore and the idea that he'll be the workhorse because once Williams got hurt last year and Ajayi was gone, Kenyon Drake took on like 80% of the snaps as the running back. And that's been what Adam Gates has done in his career in Miami. However, that's not what he wants to do, I don't personally think. I think he wants to have more of a committee. So I would say that Kenyon Drake is looking at like 60 to 70% off the start. Frank Gore probably takes on the rest of that with Kalen Balaj mixed in for like three or four snaps a game. Now remember the third running back the last two years rarely plays on Sundays. So I think Balaj will fall into that third role early on. But I think as the season goes along, he plays so much better than Gore that he eventually takes on that number two role. And then you're looking at like a 60-40 split by, let's call it, by after Halloween, we'll call that with Balaj and Kenyon Drake. All right, we have more to get to here in the Twitter mailbag, and we'll do that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Okay, picking right back up where we left off on the Twitter mailbag. The next question comes from Chris Ballard at the Jeweler. That's with a one instead of an L. Do you think Kasiki will put together it, put it together in camp, or will he need a few games or even the season to get up to speed? I think that the red zone stuff is going to be inherent to him. And I think a lot of the stuff that they're going to ask him to do will be inherent as well. And they might start to expand his, you know, his capabilities as the season goes along. I think early on, he's going to get a lot of reps and very certain defined roles and just watch the way he goes up and plucks the football. Like it's not like not even a big deal. Like he's rebounding a basketball. So I think you can definitely utilize that trait regardless of the way he 
acclimates to the playbook, but I think they'll expand him as the season goes along. But early on in the year, yeah, it'll be a very basic and, you know, run this corner route or run this little stick route. Whatever it is, it'll be very simple for him early and then expand as the season goes along. Next question comes from Franklin Bonner. It's at Franklin Bonner one. Do you believe there is added value in joint practice sessions with other teams? I think there is in the way that Bill Belichick does it. And they've kind of molded this preseason format in around the way the Patriots do it. And they go in these practices where it's controlled. You can control everyone's reps. You can control the intensity of that practice. And then you pull them out for the game. So you're getting game type of reps within practice. And then you don't have to risk the injury of a game night. And you can get the younger guys on the field for the game. So I think that there's a lot of value in it for that reason. Next question comes from Red Garcia. It's at Red underscore Garcia. Do you think Kiko gets back to form and thoughts on the entire linebacker group in general? I think he'll improve over last year. I think he had the injury that was slowing him down. And I think you'll have him in less precarious situations where he has to cover a back in the flat like Christian McCaffrey. And we won't put him out there in those positions anymore. So for that reason alone, I think he'll be better. The linebacker group, I'm still absolutely terrified of. If Rayquan McMillan is everything they say he is going to be, we'll be fine. If he's not, it's going to be big, big trouble. Next question comes from Sports Trooper. That's at Troop Sports. Do you think an undrafted rookie makes a team which one and does a veteran get cut? I already gave you guys Claudie Mathau for the surprise guy that will get cut. But the undrafted free agents, I do have... I think one, two on the roster. I'm going with Gregory Buddy Howes, the running back, the fourth guy on the roster. He come from he came from FAU, Florida Atlantic, and he's a very impressive college player. So I have him there. As far as veterans, I don't think so. Out of outside of guys that you would expect, like the Leonte Carews, I think he's probably your best bet for a guy that is on the fringe of the roster. But I think ultimately he gets cut. So not really any surprise ones like Devonte Parker or anything like that. And continuing the theme of linebackers, the next question comes from Gonzo Shitcock. It's at Dick Dies. EL Daddy. <laughs> okay. Great name. Name the three starting linebackers. Can both rookie linebackers nail down the spots? Will McDonald play linebacker and nickel? Can either rookie beat out Gray and start opening day at tight end, assuming they don't begin in two tight end set, of course. All right, a lot to get to there. So the first one, the three starting linebackers, I am going to go with off the top, starting for the season, Raquan McMillan, Kiko Alonso, and Stefan Anthony with Jerome Baker clipping at his heels. And I think Jerome Baker eventually takes that over. So yes, I think they can nail that down pretty early on. Will McDonald play linebacker and nickel? I think you have to find ways to get him onto the field because... He's better than some of the guys that will play ahead of him. So I think once he go to dime, you can do things where you move him inside and help him that way. Can either rookie beat out Gray? I think that Mike Isicki starts as a tight end. Yes, I do think that Gray will get beat out for that spot. So that brings us to the final question here from Jason M3821 at Tanny Daddy 69 another phenomenal name. You get into a bar fight, you can take one pass and one present dolphin. Who are you taking? My present is Channing Crowder, just because of the stories I heard him talk about on the Fish Tank podcast and how he was just constantly getting into fights out in bars and was always in trouble. And And uh, he said that you find him on Google, you can see how good of a fighter he is there. He's in the 1%, he says, of all fighters. So I'll go with Channing Crowder. As far as currently on the roster, I think I'm going to take Josh Sitton just because of that beard and that nastiness that he is. He is definitely a guy that will fight both clean and dirty if he has to, to help you out. So let's go with Channing Crowder and Josh Sitton to wrap up the Twitter mailbag here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. And as for the show, that's going to actually do it for us. I wanted to talk to you guys real quick about an anniversary I have today. Thirdand10.com was created on this day last year. I watched every single snap of every single quarterback, graded them, wrote up scouting reports, 
built the whole website for them. It didn't really work out how I wanted it to, but it did lead to the job with Lockdown Dolphins, so I am grateful for that. So you guys can check out thirdand10.com for 2016 quarterback rankings. I know it's out of date, and I actually stopped doing it in week seven of 2017. So there's that to look forward to. Also, the Kevin Dern podcasts are out tomorrow, starting with the defensive ends on the five position group previews. But those podcasts will not have up-to-date news like I usually do every single day on the podcast because I recorded them on Sunday and I'm taking a vacation next week, some time off before training camp. So that will do it for today's podcast, guys. Y'all be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review once you are there. And check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. You can follow me on Twitter at NFL. You can follow the show at Locked On Fins and keep up to date on our daily Dolphins blog at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We're back tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Smile.